Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello and welcome. Welcome to our next episode of the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with uh, a friend of mine and fellow scale architect, Cherian Koshi. He's the Chief Development Officer for Endowment Partners, LLC, leading the firm's fundraising solutions division. Uh, unique among investment firms, Cherian's division provides consulting services to the firm's clients, including feasibility studies, capital campaign counsel, and strategic planning services to grow annual and endowment revenue. It's fascinating. Like I mentioned, he's a fellow certified scale architect. And as you would likely guess from his bio, he focuses his time and energy on helping nonprofits achieve predictable success. Cherian, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, fantastic. So I'd like to start off uh, with just hearing the, the background story. How did you get into the, the kind of coaching, consulting, advising work that you do? And why nonprofits? Yeah, absolutely. So I joke about this being my first for-profit job ever since I graduated high school. I've always worked in nonprofits. I started knocking on doors uh, on the mean streets of Minneapolis and then uh, progressed through small and mid-sized organizations to ultimately lead fundraising at, uh, at different organizations. And so I've always been working in nonprofits in some capacity, uh, mostly in fundraising, but a little bit in programming. And um and really have always had a, a, a sense of trying to, I, I've, I've got to figure this out on my own. And so I've really sought out mentors or coaches to help me along that process. And now I'm just really blessed to have the opportunity to be that for other people. So um, have a, a couple of individuals that I work with, but lots of clients of the firm that I, I get to work with, not in a um, kind of piecemeal process, but a long-term coaching and consulting role uh, for all clients of the firm. So it's really exciting to be part of that and to be engaged in the work that we do. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about like nuts and bolts. What is the specific work that you're doing? And then I want to tack a second question onto that, which is why is it so important to engage long-term like that? What What yeah. is the, the primary benefit there? Absolutely. Well, let me give you a couple of examples. We're an investment firm, so I can't give you names of organizations, of but we have uh, a number of organizations that come to us that are really small that just are trying to figure out how to raise money in this environment. And um, they, 
They need to diversify the ways in which they raise money. They need to diversify their donor base. They need to figure out, as we talk about a lot, you and I, uh, that predictable success model for their organization and for their fundraising. So small organizations, $100,000 in revenue, and we help them get started, get them into the process of, of understanding how to build that sustainability. Then for most of our clients, they're either on one side or the other. They're on, they're in, um, they're in whitewater for the, for the most part, I would say many of them are in whitewater and they're struggling to kind of get a foothold into building out planned giving systems, uh, doing capital campaigns. So we have a, a client who's a large arts and culture organization that is topping up their endowment. They've got a, a pretty substantial endowment. They want to raise that so that they can weather the future storms that might occur. Um, we've got some organizations that are building buildings and need help. They've never really navigated that before. So they need soup to nuts figuring out what is the right way to go about doing that. Um, and then other organizations that really have have been on the hamster wheel of running through their annual kind of fundraising strategies, and it really hasn't ever broken through. Um, and so we we go through and diagnose that. And to your point, um, what I think is the the issue with a lot of consultancies in the nonprofit space is it's sort of project based. It's a deliverable. But when you think about it from a macro level, from a uh, a long-term perspective, what you really need is this guidance that walks you through a longer period. And that's why I really love our model because you're already a client of the firm and now we don't we don't uh, charge you extra except for certain projects, but for the most part, we're with you all the time if you need help. And we set up these regular check-in calls to make sure that you've set these goals, you're on track for these goals. When things change contextually, which they always do, we walk with you through those changes. So um, I really think of coaching as this long-term process of, of dealing with twists and turns in the road, not just the, hey, I'm going to point you in the right direction and set you off on your way. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, now, one of the things that's fascinating about particularly the work that you guys do in the nonprofit space is the vast majority of nonprofits at least start out thinking we're a nonprofit, which means we don't have profit, yeah. let alone think about investment or endowments or you know having money left over each year. Uh, can you help uh, help us to understand you know, as a nonprofit, are you allowed to end the year with profit? Should you? And uh, what's the kind of uh, uh, what are the first baby steps you find a lot of these, especially small organizations taking? It's sort of funny that you mentioned baby steps because we we sort of think about it for small nonprofits around that Dave Ramsey mindset of creating those baby steps. So first of all, let me just say that nonprofit is a tax status, not a business plan. So if you end the money, end the year with no money, uh, you have, you're, you're not a going concern. You are not an organization that's going to sustain itself. And so um, I can tell you, you know, one of the things that in addition to being a coach and consultant, I also serve on a lot of boards, um, nine, in fact, currently, and one of them is our church board. And um, about six, seven years ago, my pastor was was really concerned about our our giving, um, and the he it, he was quite literally up at night because he was trying to square up what they were spending, what they were bringing in, and he was looking at the financials every single week, and it caused him to not focus on other things and just be anxious all the time. 
about that piece. And so we went into the budget and and reconfigured it so that we were spending less and saving more, just like Dave Ramsey teaches us to say, we're going to create this emergency fund, right? We're going to start with $1,000. And I would say for, for any nonprofit organization or any business, honestly, you do the same thing. You build up a cash reserve so that you can weather an emergency situation. And where the line is in terms of your reserve account is going to vary between organization and organization. But you want to have some cash reserves. So if there's a recession, if there's a pandemic, if there's a you know, a roof leak uh, or something like that, you're not scrambling to figure out how to solve that problem. You have reserves that can get you through it. So we coach and counsel organizations, as, as I said, long-term through multiple fiscal years of budgeting to say, how do we take those dollars? And some of it needs to remain in our savings account. Some of it, which we don't need for three to five years, are things that we can put into a conservative reserve account to make us some money while we're waiting to spend that. That would be something like we have a rooftop HVAC unit that we know is going to go sometime in the next five years, but we don't know when. We want to have that money set aside, ready to go. But then there are other funds that are long-term funds. Now, they don't necessarily need to be an endowment. We do have clients who have sizable endowments, um, but they don't necessarily need to be these permanently restricted, we never touch the principal. They could be something where we say, we know that we're going to have to renovate this building, we're going to need new um, new HVAC or new windows or something like that for our building 10, 20 years from now. There's a useful life for everything in a building, right? So like I need new siding on my house um, and it's 20 year, the house is 20 years old. So nonprofits need to start thinking about that. And then how do we save for those long-term expenses? How do we use those savings in a way that is cognizant of the responsibility that we have to our donors and to the mission overall and creating a sustainable plan uh, for our organization for the long term. Hi there, this is Scott Retirement. For over a decade as an entrepreneur, I thought coaching didn't work. I'd had some bad experiences with the wrong coaches and all that left me feeling like I had to figure it all out on my own. And while I wouldn't have admitted it back then, that was scary. It felt isolating and it left me constantly wondering what was around the next corner or when the shoe was going to drop. Then I found two great coaches and with their help and support, I discovered and implemented the predictable success model and my company tripled its profitability in a single year, adding over a million dollars to our bottom line. And now my team of scale architects and I get to enjoy the privilege of helping leaders like you achieve even greater results through our individual coaching and team acceleration programs. If you'd like to scale your business or nonprofit, boost your profits, build a strong leadership team, or even simply become a better leader with less stress, schedule your free 15 minute call with me at www.scalearchitects.com slash 15. That's scalearchitects.com slash one five. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's good. Uh, what are some of the things that you find, uh, you know, now your clients, what, what are they doing in trying before they hire you? Right. Cause it's obviously, you know, coming in, you're going to help them create some pretty monumental shifts. Uh, what is it that, that you find them trying that doesn't necessarily work before they, they finally make the leap and, and work with you? 
Yeah, so I, I would um, I would say that a lot of the no organizations the same, but um, so there's sort of different variations of what this looks like, but it comes back to that hamster wheel approach. They're um, they're running in circles, but not getting anywhere. And so it, the whitewater analogy is really a good analogy. They're they're paddling like heck, but not really getting anywhere, um, and they're not really sure why. But what what I can tell you for most organizations, whether for-profit or non-profit in the whitewater stage, it has quite a bit to do with looking at what other people are doing, what other organizations are doing, and trying to import that success into your organization when the DNA doesn't match up. It's very mm-hmm. much like trying to splice you know, an, an apple tree and an orange tree together and make those two things work. You're like, ooh, that tree has a lot of fruit um, and that fruit looks really good. But when you put it into your organization, for some reason it doesn't work. And you just, and rather than saying we were wrong in the first place, you try to grab a pear tree or a banana tree and it it just doesn't work. Um, and time and time again, we we walk into nonprofit organizations, small or large, like even, you know, I, I shouldn't say gigantic, but really large community foundations where they're, they've been trying to say, oh, that's what this other community foundation, that's what this other hospital, that's what this other church does, let's do that. And it doesn't really work with their DNA. And because of that, it doesn't allow them to grow and they get frustrated and overwhelmed and all of the other um, adjectives that, that I think anyone who's in a nonprofit knows. Yeah. Excellent. Now, uh, in your opinion, and I've, I've found this is particularly true in the nonprofit space is this idea of especially hiring a coach. Nonprofits tend to be pretty good at asking for advice. You know, it's typically free advice. Um, But uh, I know I've, I've done this and and I've I've recommended that several others do. I was like, I don't give free advice to clients because free advice is, is almost the worst thing that you can do because there's not enough motivation to actually follow it, but now you know it. So you're kind of responsible for it. So uh, in your opinion, not only, I, I like to ask who needs a coach, but I want to ask you specifically, how should a nonprofit wrap their mind around paying for the services of a coach? Absolutely. So I would, uh, I would say first and foremost, everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs some sort of coach. Uh, I've, I've had a coach in some way, shape or form since I was 14 years old, and it has been indispensable in helping me to grow um, and basically to understand what the blind spots are, right? Where where are there blind spots in my own life, in my personal life, in my professional life, in my career to help me, you know, as Rita, um, oh shoot, I forgot her last name, but there's a book called Seeing Around Corners uh, by Dr. Rita something um, that I'll send you afterwards. Right. But you need someone who has been around that corner who says, mm-hmm here's something to to think about or or deal with and when you are when you're a nonprofit organization and you're collectively asking for advice it really is what what i consider sort of the seagull effect where someone comes in they squawk they make a lot of noise and then they fly away and the reality is that that there may be some sort of epiphany in that moment but if there isn't accountability and implementation and long term follow through then all of that is for naught, right? Like, ooh, that was an interesting idea. And you see this with with strategic plans and fundraising plans and all these other different things that sit on a shelf and gather dust is someone came in, 
you know, got you all riled up and motivated and then and and you thought it was a good idea, but then it didn't translate into actual practice. And so now you're back on the hamster wheel, you know, one full rotation later, same song, different verse. Man, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. So, uh, all right. So here's the moment I know I've been waiting for. I think our, our audience has been waiting for as well. But I, I'd like to ask you, what is the biggest secret that you want to share today to help founders and leaders, particularly of nonprofit organizations, to grow their organization to greater heights, but do it without the stress that you talked about with your pastor earlier? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the biggest piece of advice is to see the big picture. Right. And that is to step back from the day to day situation that you're in. And if you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, if you if you extract yourself from what you feel has to be done today or what needs to be done for the next week or whatever, and and say, what does it look like to really be successful five years from now or 10 years from now, or as I've said in other podcasts, 40 years from now, when you start to look at it from that perspective, some of the ups and downs that are happening, some of the franticness starts to dissipate. And now you can get to clear sight and say, ah, okay, here's where we can get to a plan or a set of goals. And I, I like in that, I was I was talking to you before about uh, taking my kids camping at, at um Uh, for scouts. And one of the things that they tell you when you get lost in the woods is don't panic. Don't start wandering in, in multiple different directions. Stay put. And so in that same vein, what leaders need to understand is um, when, when things get messy and they get scare, uh, scary, we, we start to like do things in order to make ourselves feel like we've got momentum and we're doing things and and that there's there's something that's happening. So activity replaces insight. And what mm. what everyone really needs to understand is if if you just pause and you step back from the situation, now you can have a clear calm head about what's happening. And that's where I think a coach really has tremendous value is separating you and saying, "Scott, let's let's take a breath." Is this really what aligns with your values? Is this really what aligns with your goals? Is this really what you want to do right now? And that that accountability partner, that that long-term relationship, trusting relationship is what enables you to say, yeah, I we shouldn't scramble to do this thing. We can take a, a beat and say, this doesn't comport with what we need to do, but that does. And right. that would be the right course of action. Right. There's a, a saying that I've heard that uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, um, and I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to remember who it was by because that's avoided me as well. This is a great day for quoting. Uh, yeah, exactly. Society grows great. Uh, one of the founding fathers, I think, uh, society grows great when old men plant trees under whom under whose shade they will never sit. And one of the things that I see happening at a leadership level in a lot of organizations is that's the same calling, not for society, but for leaders. Right. What's the what is your vision for the organization that it succeeds and exceeds your time at the organization? That's why I love your 40 years. Right. So because it's like I can influence the next four years. Right. If I, I can will something to be in mm-hmm. you know, kind of my own strength in doing, that's a big part of the problem that you're experiencing. But it's possible. But you can't will something 40 years from now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And. 
And that's where I think we get into a lot of trouble is we think too small about um, kind of what our influence could be. And so when it comes to leadership in particular, I think the vision has to be replication. Right. We have to when when I'm on a board or when I coach uh, nonprofit boards and I do presentations, one of the key components of that is how can you find someone who will replace you? What are the Mm -hmm. specific tools for for you to help grow someone who will take on this mantle and move this piece forward. So I love that quote about trees. I've used that um, in in other settings. And I combine that with what I think is true about nonprofits and the the true calling, the, the vocation of working in an impact sector, which is that we should never be afraid of work that has no end. And I truly believe that about almost everything in the nonprofit space, whether it's hunger or homelessness or arts and culture or environment, whatever it is, we are always doing work. We might minimize time spent in hunger or time spent in homelessness. We might, you know, have a, a some sort of accomplishment in the arts or some sort of, you know, clean the water moment, but we are going to have to work at these things in perpetuity. Right. So our if our mindset is really about that, that absolute long term that we won't ever see really any sort of completion of of the goal, then we can reframe what we do in the interim to say, I've got to get other people around me. I've got to get an army of ambassadors and other believers who can get around this and move this piece forward. That's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. So uh, now I've had the opportunity of working with enough coaches that I know that w- we tend to have a knack for spending all of our best time and energy on our clients and can forget to or neglect to spend time developing and working on our own organization. So uh, if you would put your own kind of executive hat on, take your coach hat off for a second and tell us what you're doing to grow you know, your division in your, your business. Uh, yeah. What does that next phase of growth look like for you? So um, for for us and, and and my group in particular, it really comes back to replication. It is um, it, it's really about not um, not approaching it from a I have this intellectual um, capacity or you know protected information or relationships, but really how can we distribute that significantly, train other people up so that we can really scale up our the work that we do uh, and serve even more organizations. And then I think also most importantly, we are actively seeking to partner with other coaches and consultants because we know that we can't do it all. There are certain things that we do really well and we want to be the go-to entity, the go-to firm, particularly when it comes to what what we're um, uniquely suited to do. But we don't have to play hungry, hungry hippos and try and grab it all. And so we do a lot of thought leadership, a lot of external referrals in order to um, to make sure that that we're uh, doing the best we can for the sector more than just for our firm. So um, we we firmly believe that with that mindset, the the work that we're doing will continue to grow our firm uh, in ways that will hopefully achieve predictable success. Fantastic. I love that. 
Excellent. Well, I know some folks are listening. We've got quite a number of folks in the nonprofit sector, and some of them are saying, hey, I like either, uh, yes, activity versus insight. Like, well, we've done activity all day long, but, you know, we're, we're lacking on insight or, or you know, even the accountability piece that you talked about in that long-term relationship. So if someone's out there saying, hey, I'd love to know how I can connect with you and learn more, how can they do that? Absolutely. So the firm is Endowment Partners, endowmentpartners.com. Um, and then I have my personal website at cherryandkoshi.com. The The best thing to do is honestly follow me on LinkedIn. A lot of free content um, is distributed there. I do a bunch of webinars, podcasts like this to kind of share what what the uh, the quote unquote secret sauce is. And I'd love to, uh, for you to to take a look at it and uh, comment on it. And let, it, let me know what um, is helpful and what's not. That's fantastic. So endowmentpartners.com or check out Charion on LinkedIn. Uh, I know I follow him there and there's tons of great content. So uh, I'd encourage you guys to do that. Uh, thank you, Charion, so much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I just want to say thank you to our audience. Uh, again, your time and attention mean the world to us. It's such an honor to get to share with you today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.